Titus chapter 2 this morning. Again, this morning, we will continue in our text where it lays out teaching for sound doctrine. And uh, <clears throat> what a blessing as we travel through Titus. Um, and of course, we know in chapter 1, we see the culture that he's dealing with. Uh, those that have slow bellies, evils, beasts, always liars. And Paul tells them to rebuke them sharply. They're taking heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men. But he says this in, in verse 1 in chapter 2. It says, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine. Did you know there's a difference between the people of God and the world? Yeah. There ought to be, right? The things that we teach and the things that we... And, but what I want to highlight this morning a little bit, just for a moment, is did you know our culture is not much different than that description in chapter 1 today? You know, sometimes we think we got it bad. Listen, if we just would adhere to the Word of God, God can take care of the rest. Amen. His grace and His strength. It's not in our power that we minister and that we grow and that we uh, go about this Christian life. Just rest in the Lord. And, but here, I know we've already considered sound doctrine for aged men and aged women. Uh, we included some examples from Scripture of those that, that uh, walked with God. And, and, uh, but now we turn our attention to sound doctrine for young women. And again, I'll, I'll preface it with this. I've never been a young woman. I never will be. I can't totally relate to the responsibilities and the demands uh, to ladies in this stage of life. But what I do have is the Word of God, uh, and I have a dictionary, and, and I can understand some of the things that God would expect of those young women. And so today, by no means am I uh, saying these things because I think I'm an expert, but because of the authority of the Word of God. And so my, my, my prayer is, and, and I trust that you will receive it as such, uh, as the Word of God, because in today's culture... Many hate passages like this. Uh, they, they consider it to institutionalize oppression or to propagate some certain stereotypes or gender expectations to hold women down. Uh, that's really nothing further from the truth. Uh, listen, I would say even in some churches, you might need to give a trigger warning before reading the passage. Uh, people get triggered about some things. Uh, but this is either the Word of God or it's not. If it is, it's binding. And if it's not, what are we doing here? We must figure out not how to get out of it or try to change it, but how to live it by God's grace. And so let's begin reading. We'll read verses 1 down through verse 5, and then we'll look at what the Lord has for us. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Boy, what a description of how things ought to be. And last week we talked about the aged women teaching the younger women. And so here today we're going to talk about what those 
aged ladies are supposed to teach the younger ones. And listen, I submit to you this morning, we ought to remain teachable. We ought to remain teachable. And um, I, I don't think she would mind me saying this, uh, but Mrs. Byers taught me some things a few weeks ago. Old widow Byers. Uh, praise the Lord, I'm thankful for her. Um, I'm thankful for, for our aged folks in our church. Uh, but she pulled me aside after I had preached a few weeks ago. And she said, I wish you had stopped doing such and such. And I'm like, well, I'm a preacher. I can say what I want when I'm up there. <laughs> but she enlightened me on something. And she said, do you believe God brought you here? Well, yes, ma'am. Do you believe God called you? Well, yes, ma'am. It's like, well, then stop doing that. If God's brought you here, don't question that. Don't question your ability. Don't question those things. And she shared the testimony of her husband. And listen, it was a teachable moment for Justin DeGarmo. And I'm thankful for a lady that would come to me and say, listen here, youngster. <laughs> listen, she did it in the right spirit. She did it properly. Uh, if she would have grabbed my ear, I still would have been okay with it. <laughs> but we ought to have a church that has that kind of environment. That's the Bible way. The Bible way isn't blogs. The Bible way isn't all those things. Listen, as we get into this, and the ladies in our church, the older ladies, they love our younger ladies. They know them personally, and they have a greater insight than those things on the Internet. And I'm not saying everything on the Internet's bad. I think I said this last week. It's not bad. There's some good things to get there. But they're not going to be there when you're up at 3 a.m. and don't know what to do with your kid. But the ladies in the church, if you call them, they're going to pick up the phone and say, hey, what can I do to help? Your Internet friends aren't going to be there like that. God, help us to do it according to the way God intended us to do it. Listen, he designed this thing. We need to trust his way. I'm thankful there's a few people I know I can call whatever time of day. I won't get that from the blog post or from the influencer on social media. And so when I talk about being teachable, we need to be teachable by those that God has put in our lives to influence us. And listen, sometimes teaching has to do with admonishment and correction because we need it. So as we get into this, that's where my heart is. My heart is truly just to do it the way God intended it to be done. <clears throat> so it says here, we'll begin, we'll better get into this, we're going to run out of time. Conduct, conduct becoming young women, to be sober, to make of sound mind. The idea is disciplined to, uh, to teach to be sober when you think of the aged ladies. The meaning of this is that they should instruct them to have their desires and passions well regulated and under proper control, to be sober. We're not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but what? To be filled with the Spirit, right? We ought to be filled with the Spirit of God and walking with our God. Uh, to be sober, that's the idea there. Uh, it says to love their husbands. This can be hard because husbands can be jerks. But the commandment is the same. It still remains. Uh, 
Uh, here's what Albert Barnes says, though, because there ought to be mutual love. Here's what Albert Barnes says regarding this. All happiness in marriage, in the marriage relationship is based on mutual love. When that departs, happiness departs. No wealth or splendor in a dwelling, no gorgeousness of uh, apparel, no magnificence of entertainment or sweetness of music, and no forms of courtesy and politeness can be a compensation for the want of affection. Mutual love between a husband and wife will diffuse comfort through the obscurest cottage of poverty. The want of it cannot be supplied by all that can be furnished in the palaces of the great. There's no exception to this. There's no substitute for a proper love in the home. To love their husbands, to have an affectionate love for both their husband and the children, it says, it says that they should love their children. This should be natural. But sin can lead one to becoming unloving. Sin can lead a mother to take her own child's life. To hate her husband. Romans one thirty one says, Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. Now, what the Word of God says here, that this is something that the older women can train them in. They can teach them. Even in difficult things. Because I want to remind you, love is not just this feeling. Love is the act of doing those things that are right toward the other. Love is the fulfilling of the law. We ought to love them, not just in word, but in deed. <clears throat> Nature teaches mothers to love their children, and yet there are those that are so depraved that they have no maternal affection. And I remind you, where such love is lacking in younger women, it can be learned. Or we wouldn't have a Titus 2.4 that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And if you remember, I'll lean a little bit back on last week in your understanding of what we talked about. We talked about their conversation as becometh holiness of the aged ladies. These younger ladies can look at the great example of those and learn how to properly love a husband. And I'm thankful for examples within our church here of ladies that have stood by their husbands for decades and supported whatever God had for their life, no matter how that changed. No matter where God was going to take them, they were just faithful to love their husband and to stick by the side of their husband. To be discreet. This was also required of older men in there, and that it's the same word in the Greek, but it's translated of the older men as temperate. Discreet is the idea of sober-minded, disciplined in one's freedom, restrained in all passions and desires, is the idea. They're chaste, properly clean, innocent, modest, pure in heart, perfect, Barnes would say. In body and affection, words and actions, having their love pure and single to their own husbands, keeping their marriage bed undefiled, uh, to be chaste. This conduct would be just as important for single ladies, I think. We can make the application. First uh, Corinthians seven thirty four says this: There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cared for the things of the Lord, 
that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cared for the things of the world, now she may please her husband. And so the single ladies certainly aren't exempt from that. Uh, they need to care for the things of the Lord. Listen, young women married or single should be discreet and chaste in their behavior. Uh, they're striving to have the testimony of the aged le- lady of a, of a conversation that becometh holiness. Uh, to walk with our God. And listen, we don't do any of this in our own strength. Boy, talk about prone to failure when you try to step out and do these things in your own. Prone to legalism, uh, those things. Uh, listen, we need to trust God in that. But here we come to the, the, the words in our Bible that may be the most controversial today. Keepers at home. You really don't need a dictionary. You really don't need anything. It means exactly what it says right there. To care for the things of the home. Caring for the house, working at home. The watch or the keeper of the house. Keeping at home and taking care of household affairs. A domestic. Uh, Pretty simple. We don't need to try to complicate it. One who looks after domestic affairs with prudence and care. Attentive to their domestic concerns or their duties in their families. This is not put in as it is controversial. It's listed just like everything else. It's not like it's this wow thing. It's just that in, our today, in today's culture, all of a sudden it's this big deal. But this was the standard. This was God's design. This is just normal. It should be crazy in our minds for it not to be this. Uh, so don't allow the world to pervert your understanding of this. The, really, the only reason that this is somewhat controversial is because you are not biblically minded. And you are allowing the world to form uh, your opinions or understanding of the matter. Paul simply lays this out to Titus here. uh, The basics of how things ought to be according to God's design. It wasn't controversial at all. Listen, I'm thankful for God's design. Does he not know best? Where to go but to the Creator? the older you get, you realize why God gives babies to the fairly young people. God knows what he's doing. We chuckle and laugh at the simple things like that because it makes sense to us, but why do we have an issue with it when it comes to the other parts of it? Listen, God has designed this to function a certain way. I am thankful at my age I'm not staying up all night with a baby. And God bless those that are my age that are having babies. Uh, that, you, that, you can keep that stuff. Uh, but listen, we just got to trust the Creator. We got to trust God that His design is best. And, and listen, this is not to say a wife can't do anything outside the home. Have you read Proverbs 31? Okay, maybe some of you haven't. There was only a couple. <laughs> Proverbs 31, look, I love this description, 31, 11, and 12. It says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that she shall have no need, or that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. Here's what the pulpit commentary says about that. So that he shall have no need of spoil. The wife manages domestic concerns so well that her husband finds his honest gains increased and sees his confidence profitably rewarded. 
his confidence in his wife. Listen, we're talking about a husband and a wife that are in this together. A husband that has confidence in his wife and she's taking care of the things that ought to be taken care of while he can go in or go out and, and, and go to war if need be, whatever the case is. Listen, I'm thankful for a wife that stayed home. I couldn't have had the career I did. It was impossible. And so, listen, I'm telling you this morning, God's way works. But look at this, Proverbs 31, 16. She considereth a field and buyeth it. I know men that blow their mind. They don't let the wife touch the cash. I'm being dead serious. I'm talking about a domineering husband that is ruling over the home in a way that's not godly. We need to be careful, man. But listen, it says, She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hand, she planteth a vineyard. We're talking about a woman that is blessed of God in the things that she's doing and a husband that can trust in her and what she's doing. Verse 24 in Proverbs 31, She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Verse 31, Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Well, we're talking about God blessing a woman and, listen, blessing a home. And so certainly a woman can do things outside of the home, but her duty is first to home and family. Though she may work outside the home, if she's capable and her husband permits, her duty is to the home. And it's unequivocal in the Word of God. So don't get angry at me. Don't get frustrated at me. That's what the Word of God says. And what I'm telling you is if you want a blessed home and you want your house to be blessed and you want God to do work in your, in your family, do it God's way. Don't try to figure out how to have both. Listen, there were, I can't tell you the times I got made fun of because I drove a hoopty. I'm going through pictures because of my dad's funeral. I'm going through some things and I had the old Honda Accord, the hoopty. I saw the picture. I was like, that's a nice-looking car. I still think it's a pretty nice-looking car. But it had hundreds of thousands of miles on it. But that car was faithful. And I'll tell you what, to this day, I believe God kept that car running because Cindy and I honored him in the way that we ordered our home. She stayed home and took care of our boys. Now, Cindy works outside the home. We're able to do that. We're at a different stage, I believe. And listen, so what I would say is, is you need to follow the leadership of God in your life. I can't, I can't dictate what's right and wrong in your home. But what I will tell you is those younger years are critical years. Those are critical years. And if you want the heart of your children and you want your children to have any chance of growing up for God, God's model is that the wife is at the house raising those youngsters. And I can say that from my personal experience, and I can say that from the experience of my friends that did it contrary to what God, because they wanted a second car, or they wanted whatever the case may be. Listen, God's way works. And be patient. God will bless. This isn't even my note. We're not going to get through this today, but listen this morning. There are things that we think we want in this world to be blessed. And there are things that never God intends to give us to be blessed. And so we need to be content with those things that we have. Be content with the things that God does give us and enjoy what we do have. And if God blesses you in the future and he gives you more and more, 
Praise him. But if not, praise him anyway because you have a good life. I think I say this frequently, but I think we need to be reminded of it often. If you have food and raiment, we ought to be content. But we start looking at the rest of everything else that everyone else has. Boy, they got a shiny new car, or they got a shiny new this, or a shiny new doohickey over there. And we forsake our walk with God because we're searching after something that God never intended us to have. And what do we do? We pierce ourselves and we become miserable. But if you would just enjoy what God's given you, man, you'd have a blessed life. Good. Agathos. The word good, it says that they should be good. To be discreet, chase keepers at home, good. In respect to operation or influence of others, useful, beneficial, profitable. They're just good. As a young woman carries out her duties, she is to do so with goodness and kindness. We're talking about good young ladies. It says obedient, excuse me, to their own husbands. Webster's Dictionary defines obedient, submissive to authority, yielding compliance with commands, orders, or injunctions, performing what is required or abstaining, abstaining, abstaining excuse me, from that which is forbid. Wives are to be in submission to their husbands. It's the word of God, folks. We don't, if we're bucking against this, if a wife is bucking against her husband, she's bucking against God Almighty. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Ephesians 5.22, Colossians 3.15. You say to me this morning, hey preacher, what about my husband? He's not saved or he's not walking with God. Well, thanks for asking. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if only be not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Skip down 1 Peter 3, 5. For, the, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Listen, just because your husband's not doing right doesn't give you a blank check to do whatever you want. And, that, and I say that not ever being in a situation to where somebody that says, well, you can't go to church. I believe a wife ought to submit to her husband. I don't understand all that. I don't have all the answers for that. But, but what I do know is, is that a wife can oftentimes, with her chaste conversation, win her husband. And what I have witnessed, and I've witnessed this firsthand with my mother-in-law, that was married to, to a real jerk, is if she just honored God with her life, eventually, yeah, I don't mind if you go to church. Yeah, you can get involved in those things. And she was able to do the things that God wanted her to do with the blessing of her husband that didn't care anything about the things of God. And so certainly I understand there's difficult circumstances, but God's pattern works. And we just need to trust him. But listen, I just did a marriage this Thursday. You guys know Luke got married as well. And what did I charge the husband and wife that he would love his wife and that she would reverence her husband? But they're mutually exclusive. You need both. And so certainly in the home that God intends, it will be a blessed home because 
the husband will love his wife and those things. And, and certainly I know some of you experienced difficulties where maybe your husband wasn't that way, but uh, be faithful and trust God. Yes. Some speak much of how man looks on the outward appearance and how God looks on the heart. And, and I, listen, I agree with that. But listen, that should challenge and call us to a greater level of holiness rather than to attempt to justify our fleshly desires. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Listen, at the end of the day, we just need to be doing our best to honor God with our, our lives, uh, whether we're a young lady or not. Listen, I get it. There's analogical spiritual equality between men and women. That's a big word. I had to look up the definition when I came across it. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. I get it spiritually. There's no difference. But there's no doubt there's a physical, positional, and functional differences uh, between men and women. Listen, there's designated functions and responsibilities of husband that we haven't talked about yet this morning. Listen, we can't change these because God ordained them. Any endeavor to affect change will bring frustration and vanity and emptiness. So what am I telling you this morning? Understand God's plan and execute it in your life to the best of your ability by His grace. <clears throat> Listen, and submission is a virtue enjoined by all Christians, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Wives can demonstrate how it should be done and how a great example they can be to the rest of those in the faith to demonstrate submissiveness to authority. Many today scoff at such notions about keeping the home and submitting to a husband. But for those willing to obey, they can be used by God and accomplish great things. As we prepare to close, let's look at a few examples in Scripture. I'll kind of shorten this because I have a long conclusion. Hannah, her name means favored or is the idea of gracious, merciful, that He gives. Talking about our God. We know her trials and prayers were rewarded by God giving her a son. She was barren and, and she prayed and, and dedicated that little boy to, to the Lord and, and God gave her that one. And then she turned around and offered a great prayer of thanksgiving. I encourage you to read it. 1 Samuel chapter 2, the first 10 verses or so. Uh, it, it's a blessing to read. But did you know she was later blessed with three sons and two daughters? Sometimes we just need to submit to the way that God wants things to be done and just be willing to be content with whatever He allows and then maybe the floodgates of blessing will open. But what a great example of a young woman of faith who dedicated her family in service to the Lord. What about Mary, the mother of Jesus? What an honor to be considered faithful enough to uh, bring the Savior of the world. But she watched her son go to the cross. 
after that, she was found later with the apostles, and, and, and we don't have a lot of time to get there or to look at these things. But I think she understand the true purpose of her son. And I can't help but think of a, a greater example of one who stands as a reminder to all of us that our children are ultimately God's. They're given to us to raise for His honor and His glory. They're not ours. And to think of Mary that would have to watch her child be brutally killed, that, that is not an easy thing to witness. Even if you understand that He's going to be raised from the dead. What a great example. What about Priscilla? I thought this was interesting when I started looking at some of these things about Priscilla. She was the wife of Aquila. Do you know she was critical in discipling Apollos alongside with her husband? Uh, Acts 18.26 says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. He was preaching the baptism of John and and so they, they went and, and pulled him aside and, and spent some time. But look at this. She was a fellow worker with Paul. She risked her life. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow helpers in Christ Jesus, who gave for my life, or who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. She had a critical impact in the Apostle Paul's life, I would say. Um. She opened her home for church meetings. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my beloved Apodatus, who is the first roots of Achaia unto Christ. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Boy, talk about a lady that's willing to let folks come in. Did you know church people aren't always that gracious? Can you imagine meeting in your home? with all the clowns that go and do whatever they do in the bathroom and tear things up around here? Listen, people don't take care of the facility like they ought to as the house of God. But man, these people were gracious enough to say, hey, let's meet in my house. Boy, sometimes we get cranky over much less. Well, the buzzer has told me I'm out of time. Some may think that Paul's words here in our text are chauvinistic and outdated. And it would prevent women from attaining their full potential. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, it's not the word of God. It's, it's a lie. Listen, time and experience have been shown to be sound doctrine. That women would be submissive to their husbands and they would be keepers at home. I did some basic research on the matter and found it difficult to determine with any certainty exactly what it says about stay-at-home moms. And the reason I found it difficult is because every side has an agenda, whether they're pro-stay-at-home or they're not pro-stay-at-home. They all have an agenda, and they skew whatever numbers they come up with, and, and, and it was really difficult to really find anything. Um, <clears throat> it was on both sides of it. So... Consequently, I found data to be skewed. You'd find things that just, it just didn't match up, right? And so let us be content to trust the Creator and His design. We don't need science or some statistics somewhere to confirm what the Word of God has already told us. Let's just be content that God knows what He do, is doing. If God said it, that settles it. 
Listen, and that's regardless of what society may say about sound doctrine that we teach. Listen, we need to take God as His word and to just trust Him and be content there. Certainly, we would not want to do anything that would cause occasion for the word of God to be blasphemed. Look at verse 5. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own, husbands, uh, that the word of God be not blasphemed. God forbid our inconsistent lives bring an injurious report upon the gospel. God help us that our faith and application of sound doctrine produce virtues that we hear seem spoken of. And listen, it's for His glory. It's all for His glory. And listen, we're gonna, we can only do these things by His grace. We need Him to strengthen us to get through. Let's close in prayer.